Hello, boys and girls. <laughs> Welcome back to a very, very, very. Today we've got an amazing guest. Hang on, hang on. To today we welcome you all to another edition of the stories we tell. Oh my God, it's been such a long time, and what better day to get back into the rhythm of reading than pa 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 World Book Day. So, happy World Book Day to all of you, my lovely, lovely people. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, we're going to be reading something that I love very, very much. And that is mythology. So, today, we're going to read some stories from Indian mythology from a lovely book that's been compiled by, hang on one second, by Anita Nair. illustrated by Atanu Roy and um today i have with me a guest from the united states of america yes and so we are in a grand day really 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 likes Uh, the podcast uh, <gasps> so is Ariana Grande yeah I don't I'm sorry to say I don't really like her that very much but I know you like her so is she here today you just don't like her because she swears but she's got the best voice in the world right um, so is she here today yeah oh okay she's well not. welcome Ariana oh, oh, welcome Ariana how are you hi oh my god outside our door which is gray and white and looks like a cuddly and is just staring at us with the most vacant look um right so we're going to start with the churning of the cosmic ocean vishnu's second avatar oh sorry i had to interrupt that sorry i got really like long nails i i can't seem to open my ears maybe you should cut them ariana <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so we're going to start. In the deluge, some of the rarest things in the world were swept under the waters. Mama, it's her tail, her leg. Honey, <laughs> whose tail and whose leg? Okay, so let's get back. In the deluge, some of the rarest things in the world were swept under the waters. Much of that which was precious and irreplaceable was washed away. The gods decided to try and retrieve them, but they knew it would be an impossible feat unless they had help. So, a delegation of gods went to the asuras so asuras are the demons to ask for their assistance the asuras agreed to help for they too desired some of the rare treasures especially amrit the nectar of life which would make them immortal it was time to begin the search but how would they reach into the vast depths of the ocean where the precious things now lay We should churn the ocean for only then will the rare objects float to the surface Brahma said So the gods asked the great serpent Vasuki oh to gosh, let them use like, its strong coils as the rope Wait isn't that a turtle Isn't that a who 
turtle. A, a, tur- a, tur- a turtle, yes. The mountain, the mountain Mandara would be the churn. Oh Varun, the lord of night and the oceans, was asked oh like to hold the mountain. A horse. Ariana, honey, if you could listen to the story, that would be lovely. So Varun was asked to hold the mountain steady so that the churning could begin. But he found the mountain much too heavy for him and had to give up. He fell on the ground, sweat running down his brow and chest. <gasps> I can't do this, he gasped, too tired to even speak. The gods now needed to find someone else to do it. Vishnu's anxiety for the churning to start was greater than anyone else's, for he knew that his consort Lakshmi was hidden somewhere in the cosmic ocean. Since a base was required to fix the mountain to the ocean bed, Vishnu offered to help. He took the form of Kurma, a giant tortoise, and his back, the tortoise shell, became the pivot for the mountain. The serpent Vasaki was twisted around the mountain. The gods took hold of the serpent's head and the asuras grabbed the tail end. Together they set about churning the ocean. This is one of the most important and significant stories in Hindu mythology. Samudra Manthan. Yeah? Churning the ocean. And with it, both good and bad began to emerge from the waters. Did you hear that? Yeah. When Vasaki was being pulled and tugged, the good and the bad both began to get squelched and come out of the water. The great tugging and pulling of the serpent against the mountain caused Vasaki to oh, exhale. Bad, the asuras. No, the asuras were already there. Let's listen. Oh, it's because Co- I thought that the asuras were basically the ones who were... They used to be devas, they used to be gods, but they were jealous of the gods who basically right. had more power, so right. they turned against so they them. Turn. Okay, that's, that's a very good point. But we'll come to what is happening in the churning of the ocean. So this caused Vasuki to exhale heavily and his breath emerged as a thick mist. Now that is how clouds were born, Anika. The clouds burst into rain and fell on the gods who welcomed the cooling showers. However, when the snake started spouting poison, many died. The movement of the mountain killed many animals in the sea. But the rubbing of the serpent against the mountain squeezed the juices from medicinal plants growing on its slopes. These juices ran down the slopes into the sea, which revived the sea creatures. The rubbing also set off many fires, and Indra, the lord of lightning, had to make the rains come down to put out the fires. Then, as the gods and the asuras continued with the churning, from the waters emerged wondrous things which had been lost. First emerged Kamadhenu, the cow of plenty, (coughs) of abundance. It was given to to Vashisht, the officiating priest. Then came Eravat, the stately white elephant. And Uchasravas, a wonderful horse, which were both claimed by Indra. (laughs) Then emerged Sura, 
the goddess of wine and following her from the whirlpool sprang the parijat tree which indra said would be kept in heaven so that all celestial beings might enjoy its delicate fragrance then came rambha and the other celestial nymphs who later became dancers in indra's court next came the moon which shiva seized and wore it as a hair ornament the gods and the asuras churned the ocean for a thousand years and still there was no sight of the nectar which was what they were really seeking instead what they saw was vish or poison the snake gods drank as much of the poison as they could but there was still so much left that it looked as if it would strike them dead with its fumes to prevent this shiva drank up all the poison which lodged in his throat turning his neck blue in color not his neck his whole his whole body yes but but this particular part it's called neelkant shivji is called neelkant neel means blue kant means throat now with renewed vigor the churning began again shank the conch of victory emerged as did kaustub a priceless jewel finally two finally from amidst the froth lakshmi rose with a lotus in her hand along with her the ocean yielded the much prized water of life the amrit nectar wearing white robes the god of medicines tanvantri appeared bearing the jar of amrit in his palm the churning finally came to an end and the asuras now discovered that almost everything had been claimed for their own by the gods this angered them so much that they snatched the pot of amrit and a battle started Shiva decided to intervene and said since both the gods and the asuras have worked equally hard to churn the ocean i suggest that the nectar too be divided equally but who will divide the amrit everyone asked at that moment a beautiful woman appeared nobody had seen such loveliness before and all were dazzled she said her name was mohini She smiled at them and said, "Allow me to divide the water of life." Both the gods and asuras agreed. Since the gods are elder to the asuras, they must be served first, she said. The asuras were so enchanted that they agreed to do that as well. Everyone sat down in two rows with their plates in front of them. Mohini started serving the gods first, and since there were 33 of them, all that was left after they had been served were just a few drops which she poured down her own throat just then the moon and the sun who knew mohini was actually vishnu spotted that rahu an asura who had disguised himself as a god was sitting with them and he had been served a part of the amrit they told vishnu who promptly hurled his sudarshan chakra at rahu and cut off his throat but the nectar had already slid down his throat so his head and body remained alive separately the head was called rahu and the body was called ketu since then rahu wreaks revenge on the moon and the sun by occasionally swallowing them up and plunging the world into darkness 
we call this an eclipse. When the Asuras realized that Vishnu had tricked them to ensure that only the gods became immortal, they were furious. Another battle started. But the Asuras were tired after the churning and the gods were stronger than ever after having consumed the Amrit. And so the Asuras were defeated once again. So that's the story of that, of the um, of the churning of the ocean. And we're going to end with one more story about a tree, or rather about the flowers of a tree that are absolutely delightful. And I'm talking about the Parijat tree. The story is why the Parijat tree came down to earth. During the churning of the ocean, the Parijat tree, as we heard about, rose to the surface. The tree was unlike anything the gods or demons had ever seen. With exquisitely shaped leaves and curving boughs, the tree was beautiful to look at. As for its tiny star-shaped blossoms, they emitted a fragrance that perfumed the world. The Parijat tree mesmerized anyone who looked at it. Indra had seen the tree emerge from the ocean and had claimed it for his own. He said, this will delight the nymphs and gods with its beauty and perfume the world of the mortals. So it should be nurtured in my garden in the skies so that all three realms might benefit from it. The other gods sighed. Sometimes they thought Indra behaved like a spoiled child, demanding favours all the time and sulking if he didn't have his way. Except that if Indra sulked, there would be no rains or he would go to the other extreme and send so much rain that there would be a flood. So the tree was taken to Indra's garden. Indra's wife, Sachi, looked after the tree as though it were a baby. All the guests were taken by her to look at the tree and breathe in its fragrance that filled the heart with peace and joy. Once when Krishna went to visit Indra, he took his wife Satyabhama along. Shachi and Indra received them affectionately. Shachi took them on a routine tour of the garden and showed them the Parijat tree. Krishna, who had seen the tree many times, took a deep breath of his fragrance and walked on. But Satyabhama was seized by a great desire to have the tree for her own and she was reluctant to move away from the tree. Shachi sensed that her guest was much too enchanted by the tree and tried to hasten her away. But Satyabhama refused to stir and Krishna had to forcibly lead her away. Back in the guest chambers, Satyabhama wouldn't eat or sleep. What is wrong with you? Krishna pleaded with her. I can't do anything till I have the tree in my garden, Satyabhama told him. Indra will never give it up. The only way we can take it is by stealing it, Krishna said. Satyabhama tossed her hair and snorted. So when did you begin having scruples about stealing things? Didn't you steal butter when you were a baby? Didn't you steal the Gopika's clothes when they were bathing? But this is different, Krishna said. I don't think this is different at all. Besides, you are more powerful than Indra and you should own the tree, not him, Satyabhama added. Krishna smiled. Even though he was no longer a young boy, mischief appealed to him. Besides, Indra was getting a swollen head and this would put him in his place. 
so, Krishna uprooted the Parijat tree and took it away to Dwarka, his kingdom. When Indra discovered the theft, he was furious and led his army against Krishna. There was a fierce battle and Indra was defeated. As Indra, humiliated, turned to go back without the Parijat tree, Krishna said, The tree will be with me as long as I am alive. After that, you can choose to take it back if you want. The Parijat tree stayed in Dwarka. And on the seventh day after Krishna's death, as the city began to be submerged by the ocean, Indra swooped down and took the Parijat tree back to his palace garden. And that's the end of our session today. Just a couple of short and sweet stories about Indian myths, magical Indian myths. I mean, we all need some magic in our lives, don't we? Especially because we know that we can see light at the end of the tunnel. We have vaccinations rolling out. We have school starting on Monday. Whoop, whoop. Okay, that was really me getting very, very excited. Um, and after that, we have Easter break. And then we have one more term before the school year is done here in the UK. Gosh, it seems like we've spent so many months in quarantine and in some form of, not necessarily quarantine, time but you know some sort of um, lockdown uh, many many versions of lockdown and now spring is springing and magic is in the air there is hope and happiness and I hope for everyone that you find joy in the little things of life in stopping to smell flowers like the parijat jasmine anything that catches your fancy um, some beautiful honeysuckle on the way uh, that we appreciate what we have the gift of life and in simple joys we love our books we give them a lot of love we read a lot when we can because books are the ultimate ultimate companion when everything else fails us and you can find both joy and um, some sadness perhaps but what you can really get is a kind of friendship that stays with you for life so on world book today i wish you a joyous special friendship with books and i wish you happiness good health and lots and lots of love toodles and girls hope you're well happy happy friday welcome back to another edition of the stories we tell with me mridula or ruby as you know me and my sleepy little anika today we're going to go back to some um, wonderful stories of mythology and we will go we will go to anita naya's lovely magical indian myths book and today we're going to be myths and today we're going to be reading how Agni got his strength back. Agni, the god of fire, was born from a lotus created by Brahma. Brahma, according to Hinduism, is the creator, the god of creation. His complexion was a brilliant red, so this is Agni's complexion. 
was a brilliant red to match the vigour with which he leapt and flickered. Moreover, to keep up his strength, he was provided with six extra tongues, apart from the one in his mouth, to lick up the butter offered to him in sacrifices. Now, I know it says butter here, but what is offered in sacrifices or in yagyas, which is a holy fire, is ghee. Clarified butter. (laughs) Okay, that was interesting. (laughs) Right, moving on. That was a a yawn which became some sort of a shriek. Anyway, Agni Agni didn't demand too much from his devotees and so was a popular god. People seeking to enhance their masculinity worshipped Agni and he never failed to grant them their desires. Naturally, more and more people offered prayers and sacrifices to Agni and soon he had consumed so many oblations that he became fat and lazy and lost his strength to to blaze and burn. All it needed was a light drizzle to put his flames out and each time he was invoked by his devotees, he found it more and more difficult to make an appearance. What Agni didn't realise until much later was that the king of gods, Indra, had become jealous of Agni's popularity and had been looking for a way to humiliate him. Knowing that Agni had lost his strength to stand up to rain and wind and still burn tall and proud, Indra always sent a few rain clouds to put out the sacrificial father. What shall I do now, father? Agni asked Brahma. I am unable to stand up to Indra. He turns up at each one of my sacrifices and ruins it. Unless I am allowed to complete a sacrifice, I will not be able to regain my strength. And each time the sacrificial fire goes out, my devotees begin to lose faith in me. Brahma sighed. (sighs) When I gave you seven tongues, it was to help you build up your strength. Instead, you became greedy and ate up everything that was offered to you. You are paying for your greed. Agni fell at Brahma's feet and pleaded, I promise never to lose control again, but please help me regain my energy. Brahma looked at Agni and decided that he was truly remorseful and meant every word. So he said, Go to Kandavprastha. Krishna and Arjuna need your assistance. They will protect you from Indra. But even as you help them, remember that you could cause the other creatures their much harm. Do what you have to, but carefully. And when you finish, you will regain your powers. Once upon a time, Kandavprastha had been a glorious city, ruled by kings like Purvas, Nahusa and Gayati. But the city had become a ruin now, and in its place was a forest full of thorns and bushes. Birds and animals, thieves and bandits and murderers had all made it their home. So dense was the forest 
but those who dared to go in never found their way back. Hoping to settle once and for all the quarrel between the Pandavas and the Kauravas, Dhritarashtra divided Hastinapura. He gave the Pandavas the ruins and the forest of Khandavaprast. It was here that the Pandavas had to build their empire. Arjuna stood at the edge of the forest looking very worried. How do we build a kingdom here? he asked Krishna. Krishna smiled mischievously and said, Make an offering to Agni and he will be here to help you tame this wilderness. Arjuna set about preparing for a sacrifice to worship Agni. Krishna watched him and said, No butter or ghee is to be offered to Agni. He has eaten so much in the past few days that he has indigestion and will not appear anywhere food is offered. You need to light the fire with wood and scented herbs and it will burn by itself. So Arjuna did as Krishna told him to and Agni appeared. He rubbed his stomach that stuck out like a little round hill and said, Arjuna, I will help you tame this forest, but you have to protect me from Indra's rain clouds as I go about my task. I do not have the power to blaze and burn as I used to. Even a little rain cloud can put me out. Arjuna, who was Indra's son, beseeched his father not to interrupt the mission and let Agni burn the forest down. Indra hid his irritation and agreed to stay away. So Agni unleashed his flames. At first, the fire burned slowly and quietly, but as his strength grew, the fire began to blaze furiously. Agni laughed in glee and leapt from branch to branch, from tree to tree, consuming the wood of the forest. All the birds and animals fled the forest and the wicked men died in its flames. Just then, Agni heard a faint cry. Oh, fire god! Oh, Agni! We are helpless! Please do not harm us! He looked around, wondering if it was one of Indra's ruses to trick him. Then he spotted a tree with a nest, and in it were four baby birds. They were much too young to fly away to safety, and had persuaded their mother to leave. Agni heard their cries and remembered what Brahma had said. So he left that tree untouched and burnt everything else. When the mother bird returned, she saw her children were safe, and she blessed Agni that he would never lose his strength again. Thus, Agni regained his power, and the Pandavas built the kingdom of Indraprastha on the ruins of Khandavaprastha. Now what did they call it? They already had Hastinapur. That's unfair. Why? Because they just get the ruins. They got the ruins, yeah, exactly. And yet out of the ruins they made something incredible. And the next story is called What Draupadi Did to Feed 10,000 Sages. You're very sleepy, sweetie. Shall I shut it here? Just the last story? Yes. Okay. After another game of dice with the Kauravas, Yudhishthira lost his kingdom. He was forced to go into exile with his four brothers and Draupadi. During this time, he performed many penances. 
The sun god was so pleased by Yudhishthir's austerities that he appeared before him, bearing in his hands a wonderful gift. Yudhishthir, he said, this is the Akshaya Patra, the vessel of plenty. This will provide you all the food you and your family need for the next 12 years. It will fill up as soon as the food in it is consumed. However, once Draupadi eats her share of the food, the vessel will stay empty till the next day. During their time in exile in the forests, the Pandavas were visited by many people. Kings and sages, scholars and warriors all flocked to the Pandavas' simple home in the forests. No matter how many people came to see them, all the guests were looked after with great care and fed as much food as they wanted. This was possible because of the Akshay Patra. The Kauravas, especially Duryodhan, was very peeved to hear about how the Pandavas managed to extend such hospitality in spite of having very little to call their own. One day, the sage Durvasa came to visit Duryodhan, accompanied by his 10,000 disciples. Since the sage's short temper was very well known, Duryodhan lavished much attention on the sage and his disciples. Durvasa was immensely pleased and said, You have been very devoted. I haven't had such a wonderful welcome anywhere else. Ask me for any boon. Duryodhan sighed in relief. relief. Then he suddenly had an idea. He would use this opportunity to add to the Pandava's misery. He cast down his eyes and spoke humbly. Your Holiness is very kind to offer me a boon when I was only doing my duty. My only wish is that you visit my cousins in the forest and honour them with your presence. Um, perhaps it would be best if you went late in the evening. Duryodhan knew from his spies that every day the Pandavas fed their guests first. Then the brothers ate their share and then Draupadi. Why? Because you remember the boon was once Draupadi eats, the Akshay Patra doesn't give until the next day. But all this was completed early in the evening as the Pandavas rose and slept with the sun. So they slept at sunset. When Durvasa and his 10,000 disciples reached the Pandavas' home, it was late evening. Draupadi had already eaten, washed the Akshay Patra and put it away. The Pandavas received the sage warmly, not knowing that Draupadi had already eaten. The sage smiled at them and said, My disciples and I will bathe in the river. We are very hungry. Please ensure that the food is ready by the time we come back. When the Pandavas came to tell Draupadi of their new guests, she wrung her hands in despair. She did not know what to do. Durvasa's temper was renowned and he could quite easily curse them for not giving them food. Finally, not knowing what to do, she folded her hands and prayed, Krishna, oh Krishna, only you can help me now. Krishna appeared before her. I don't like Draupadi. He, what? I don't like Draupadi. What happened? She ate. Anika, she ate 
first of all she ate last okay one second let's just we'll have a chat about this um krishna appeared before her he said i don't know why but i feel a great hunger bring me something to eat and then we shall solve your problem dropadi stared at krishna in shock what was wrong with him here she was asking him for help on how to feed the sage and his disciples and he wanted food instead didn't he understand there was nothing to eat there is nothing to eat the akshaya patra is empty krishna which is why i asked you for help oh she cried godropati krishna said with a smile go and bring me the vessel dropati gave him the akshaya patra krishna peered inside aha he said triumphantly what do we have here you said you'd cleaned the vessel but what is this he held up a grain of rice and a shred of vegetable dropati looked at her feet ashamed he must think what sort of person is she she couldn't even clean the vessel properly krishna merely smiled again and put the grain of rice and vegetable into his mouth when dropati looked up he seemed satisfied with that bhimsen he called go tell the sage and his disciples that the food is ready bhim stared in surprise at the empty vessel he wondered what krishna meant but he went anyway meanwhile as the sage and his disciples finished bathing they suddenly felt their hunger disappear not only were they not hungry they felt really full and replete as if they had just finished a large banquet master we cannot eat anything more the disciples told durvasa durvasa too felt as though he couldn't even eat a mouthful just then bhim arrived to summon them to dinner durvasa rubbed his tummy and told bhim it is strange but we are not hungry anymore our apologies but we will come some other day and so they left bhim smiled by eating that one grain of rice krishna had satisfied everybody's hunger he realized and so duryodhan's plan to invoke the sage's wrath came to nothing and on that note it is really really late so we're going to call it a night good night sleep tight and don't let the bugs bite but i hope you have magical dreams and i hope your lives are filled with all kinds of beautiful magic toodles hello hello boys and girls hope you are well welcome back to another edition of the stories we tell with me mrithula or ruby as you know me and anika kaur today is vernal equinox or spring equinox in the northern hemisphere and autumn equinox in the um, southern hemisphere yes and also today is got a guest uh, 
we have another guest. Oh, yeah. Okay, just bear with me one moment, uh, Anika. Um, we'll just bring your guest onto the show in a moment. Um, so, yes, I, I um, hope that you've had a wonderful, wonderful day. It's a fabulous day for um, change. There's a lot of winds of change out there. So anything that you want to do... Um, yeah just take the plunge just do it life is way too short to think about what's going to happen the only thing that can happen is that you will know whether it's something you can do and the outcome is what you thought it was or it isn't either which way you're going to learn and it's going to be fabulous so go for it and interestingly world storytelling day today the theme for 2021 is new beginnings so Here's to new beginnings, and today we're going to be having a um, what? Well, what better way to have world celebrate World Storytelling Day than to talk about mythology? So we're going to have two stories today from uh, from Indian mythology. One about how mankind was saved from extinction, and the other one is um, bear with me how the earth was dredged back so we're going to start oh yeah before we start how mankind was saved from extinction vishnu's first avatar the matsya or the fish we're going to welcome on because an avatar means a form sweetheart yeah he's not going to take his own form so um anika you said you have a guest today for the show would you like to welcome her or him? Um, yeah. Okay. Go on then, please. Her name is June. June. Oh, okay. Is she here? Yeah, she's Australian. She's Australian? Oh, fabulous. We love Australians, Hi, isn't it? Hi, June. Wait, I just need to open the door to her. Oh, okay. Yeah, of course. I love it when we have these uh, wonderfully um, uh, impromptu spontaneous guests who land up hi june the mic is here so it won't be able to, to hear what you're saying hi june welcome to the show hello um, um I'm June, and my little sister started to watch the stories we tell. And you mean listen to? Like, yeah, really, really sorry. Listen to yes. Uh, started to uh, listen to the stories we tell, and she was like, "Oh my gosh, June, you need to watch this." And I'm like, "Oh, what is it now?" Is she- your name June Barker? <laughs> I- I'm sorry. Is it Barker? Like in, like in the investigators, they've got a Mr. Barker. Barker. Uh, <laughs> sorry, anyway, uh, so basically, uh, then my, my sister, her name is Mia, so Mia was like, uh, she was like, because uh, she came and telling me, oh my gosh, this is amazing, it's amazing, June, you need to listen to it, oh, and I'm like, so and I was much. like, oh, what is it now, because she always like, oh, thank you so much, really weird stuff, last time she made me open the door weird to a birthday stuff. party, she said, weird and stuff, then, oh, yeah. Oh, sorry, what opened to me was a big, 
big purple slime feel it on my head in your our head. Oh, in our guest I room. She it. said that she did a new wallpaper painting and I wanted to see it, but of course she pranked me. So she said, Mia, Mia, Mia. Oh, wait, sorry. She said, uh, June, June, June. You really. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, she said. I think you're excited. <laughs> what do you think about my. Um, Australian accent. Because I'm very honest all the time. It's yeah. actually rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> did you just see my? Did you just say my accent was rubbish? Yes, I'm heartbroken. <laughs> oh my gosh, Lex. Okay. So amusing and so, entertaining thing I could have. Entertaining. Your oh, accent. Good day, mate. Okay. All right, so, and uh, I also wanted to say a shout out to shout uh, out. my annoying sister. What's her name? Mia. Oh, Mia and June. Mia and June. Okay. Um, and my little sister who's just been born from my mum. You have another sister as well. Oh, wonderful! Yeah. Wonderful. Well, congratulations, Lations. <laughs> her name's Poppy. Pop. Poppy. Poppy. Mia and John. Jo- Jane. <laughs> June, sorry. I beg your pardon. I beg your pardon. Okay, well, so sorry wait, about that. Wait, wait, so let, just, let's. You know, just to cover it is June. June, yes. Hello, June. June. Okay, so. Yeah, my parents said it was quite an unusual name. But uh, um, when uh, I was born. Um, uh, my, well, I don't really. It was in the month of June. Um, no, it wasn't. It was actually my meant to. I was an early baby. I was meant to be born in June. Right. But I wasn't born. But in you June. were. But you were born in May. In my. Pardon? No, I was born in April. <gasps> oh, quite much, quite, much earlier. Quite early. Yeah. They okay. said I was quite an early baby, oh, so they called me June. And also, my parents were worried, so they thought that the power of words would help. And actually, the power of words helped. I wasn't any. I was all fine, and now I'm normal. You're normal. Oh yeah, how lovely to be normal and you're fine and dandy. Right. right. I still actually like not being normal, apart from the operations, of course. But they did because, uh, like, I almost got my appendix removed, and I got a lot of ice cream. Uh, do you mean tonsillitis? Yes, but I also got a, my appendix removed and I got a lot of ice cream. <laughs> I don't think I don't think you have ice cream when your appendix gets removed. Okay, shall, shall we move on to the story because now? the doctor said I was being so brave when I was little that oh, they rewarded me with ice cream. it wasn't the relationship between the appendix and what you needed to eat. It's because you were so brave. Yeah, because you know when you're a baby, you're probably going to whine a lot about it. So they just like, for to stop you whining, probably stuff uh, ice cream in oh, your mouth. Oh, that's brilliant. That is brilliant. Yeah? Yeah? Okay, okay. Once upon so how mankind was saved from extinction. Once upon a time, they li- they they lived a good and holy man called Manu. I don't think that you can do the whole uh, story. But Manu was not happy because everyone around him, including his wife and children, <gasps> were dishonest and wicked people. They laughed at his honest ways and taunted him for being a silly fool. But Manu refused to be swayed by their words and went about life in a quiet and righteous fashion. Sometimes, though, he would become very sad and desperate, and then he would fold his hands in prayer and beseech. 
oh my darling i'm so sorry i thought you know i was just being nice to your guest yeah, yeah, yeah i like that but i'm also here too i know my love okay and beseech the gods he prayed to every day when will you take me away from these evil people is there no end to my suffering every morning just before he sat down to eat his breakfast manu would fetch a small pot of water from the well to wash his hands one morning as he poured water over his hands he heard a voice cry help help surprised manu looked around him and into the well but he could see no one then he looked into the water and what did he find a tiny horned fish as manu watched the fish opened his mouth and spoke to him in a human voice preserve me and i will preserve you manu smiled and said don't worry i won't harm you but how will you help me you're so tiny that a frog can swallow you in one gulp the fish swam a full circle and said i cannot reveal the future to you but preserve me and i shall preserve you so manu left the fish in the little pot and put it away in a safe place he knew that if his children saw the fish they would definitely kill it just for fun every day manu fed the fish and it talked to him about life and the importance of being a good human being the fish grew so rapidly that he had to move it to a tank in the bottom of his garden and then it became even bigger so he had to move it to the lake but it just would not stop growing you will soon be bigger than the lake my friend where do i keep you then oh take me to the ocean and come to see me every day soon it will be time for me to fulfill the purpose for which i was sent here the ocean was a few hours away from his house after the fish moved to the ocean manu would go there every evening with a bag of puffed rice when he scattered the rice on the waves the fish would appear before him one evening it was waiting for manu and when he walked into the waves he said manu the time has come for you to plan your escape i want you to build a ship and keep in it the seed of every living being you too must live in it do not stay in your house once the ship is ready Manu was bemused by the fish's orders, but he trusted the fish greatly. By now, Manu had realized that fish was no ordinary creature. So he went to the forest and set about chopping some sturdy trees. As he planed the branches and built his ship, his family and neighbors mocked him. "Ho ho ho, going somewhere are you?" one man said. "What a fool he is." is building a ship so far away from the sea how do you plan to get it into the water will you wait for the rains to sweep it away ha 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 but manu went about his task soon the ship was built and he began to live in it he's gone completely mad his wife shrieked why has he stopped living in his house and started living in a ship that's not even on the sea but manu refused to get angry and continued to live in the ship every evening he went to see the fish and the fish finally said tonight is the night manu there will be a great storm and the flood waters will destroy all living creatures stay in your ship and i shall come for you manu rushed home to warn his family and the whole town Come into my ship. You will be safe there. 
The flood waters will kill all of you, he cried. But no one listened to him. That night, a great storm blew. It was a storm so powerful that no one had seen anything like it before. Rain poured down in torrents, lightning flashed continuously and the waters of the ocean rose higher and higher. Soon the whole world was submerged. No man, woman or child survived except Manu, who stayed dry and warm in his ship that floated on the surface of the rising water. The fish arrived when the storm was at its peak. Manu, it said. Fasten a cable from the ship to my horn. Manu did exactly as the fish asked and it towed his ship through the waters. They sailed high above the Himalayan peaks and the tall mountains of the world. The journey took many days and years and Manu began to feel lonely. He missed human company. Is the world to end with me? He worried. Am I to be the last man on earth? Please, gods, help me. I would like to have some children to love and to protect and to leave the legacy of life. So Manu was granted a wife. And when the flood receded, they went back to live on earth. Their children became the ancestors of mankind. As for the fish, Matsya, it was none other than Vishnu, the preserver of the universe. As you know, the, the three dev, isn't it? The Trimurti, which is the preserver, or the, rather the creator, Brahma, the preserver, Vishnu, and the destroyer, Shiva. And Manu is known as, according to Indian mythology uh, and um, uh, legend, uh, and in fact in the scriptures, uh, is considered to be the first person on earth. So, Manu. When I say on earth, as in when everything was destroyed and recreated again. So that's a wonderful story. And now we're going to talk about... Is it the... the ah, yes. And now the second story is how the earth was dredged back. So we're going to talk about Vishnu's third avatar, the Varaha. We've already talked about Vishnu's second avatar, have we, Anika? In the churning of the ocean? We have, haven't we, at some point? Yes, we have. Uh, we should actually have done all three of them together, but never mind. Hiranyaksha and Hiranyakashipa were Asura twins. They were groomed to be the chiefs of the Asuras when they grew up. Even as children, they hated the gods and promised themselves that they would defeat them when they grew up. So that's why they were really bad. Mm. One day, Hiranyaksha, the older twin, had an idea. It is the people on the earth who give these gods delusions of grandeur. If there was no earth, then who would remain to pray to these gods, he thought. No sooner than he realized this, than Hiranyaksha set off to destroy the earth. He dragged the earth to the bottom of the ocean and stood there holding it close to his chest. What shall we do now? said one of the gods as they all gathered together. 
all these millions of people, birds, animals, trees, flowers, everything is at the bottom of the ocean. How can we bring it all back? Even if we do go to the ocean bed, how can we take on Hiranyaksha? He is stronger than all of us put together, said another god. Vishnu decided to fight Hiranyaksha. He assumed the form of Varaha, a gigantic boar, and swam to the bottom of the ocean. He challenged Hiranyaksha, and the ensuing battle continued for a thousand years. Finally, Vishnu killed the Asura. Picking up the earth with his horns, he tossed it back to the surface. As soon as the earth was restored to its place, the birds sang as they did at the crack of dawn. The animals shook themselves awake from their long sleep. The leaves began to rustle and even the spider that had paused for more than a thousand years began to weave its web. And the people went about their lives just as they used to. All was well again. And on that note, that brings us to the end of these two lovely little magical Indian myths by none other than the wonderful Anita Naya. Um, so once more, happy World Storytelling Day. I will tell some more stories later, but I think it's getting a little late now, so we'll call it a night. Happy Vernal Equinox. And um, because the theme of this year's World Storytelling Day is New Beginnings. And isn't it a, a happy coincidence that um, the spring equinox heralds just the same thing? I wish you happiness and I wish that any decision that you make is the right one. Um, or indeed, I should say any decision is better than no decision. So go for it. Um, make the most of every day that you live. Uh, make it your best, have lots and lots of fun um, and just enjoy your life because uh, life is too short. So have lots and lots of joy. I hope you find that in all that you do, in all the simple things. Good night, sleep tight and toodles. <laughs>